I'd love for you to join me in Exodus chapter 11. It's been said that the key to communication is brevity. And as we walk through the plagues last week, some of you may have thought, I wish Chad knew that before. We're in Exodus chapter 11, knowing that in 7, chapter 7 through 10 verse 29, we have the story of the nine plagues of Egypt delivered to them by the hand of Yahweh through his person Moses who was holding a staff with his prophetic brother standing at his side. And as we look to that story we are looking at the notion of the, the plague where the Nile turns to blood. You get the plague of frogs, the plague of lice, of wild animals and of pestilence. There's a plague of boils upon the people, of hail, of locusts, of darkness. And as you look at those nine plagues, God is afflicting the people of Egypt because of the stubborn, hard heart of Pharaoh. A heart that Pharaoh had hardened himself and that God himself came alongside of and hardened as well. In the Throughout the totality of the story, you see Yahweh interacting with this man who was pushing up against him in every way that he could. Rebelling against the idea that there might be someone who is greater than him. All the while, Pharaoh will not receive the word of the Lord. Will not accept the truth of who God is. All the while telling Moses that his God does not matter. And when we get to chapter 11, we see the tenth and the final plague. The plague of the firstborn. The Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you out of here. Now announce to the people that both men and women should ask their neighbors for silver and gold items. And the Lord gave the people favor from the Egyptians. In addition, Moses himself was very highly regarded in the land of Egypt but Pharaoh's, by Pharaoh's officials and the people. So Moses said, This is what the Lord says. About midnight, I'll go through Egypt. And every firstborn male in the land of Egypt will die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne to the firstborn of the servant girl who is at the grindstones as well as every firstborn of the livestock. Then there will be a great cry of anguish throughout all the land of Egypt such as never was before or ever will be again. But against all the Israelites, whether people or animals, not even a dog or a snarl, so that you may know the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all these officials of yours, they will come down to me and they will bow before me saying, Get out, you and all the people who follow you after that. I'll, I'll get out. And he went out from Pharaoh's presence, fiercely angry. And the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before the Pharaoh 
But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And he would not let the Israelites out of his land. The weight of all that takes place in Egypt rests solely on Pharaoh. Pharaoh has a spiritual responsibility. He had a moral responsibility. He had a political responsibility. And the weight of all of it rested upon this man. The suffering of these people rested on Pharaoh. The weight of his sin was being felt by every person, every family, every animal in the entire community. Everything that we see in this passage has moved to this place, this really central idea. Everything at this point, from this point forward, it's about to change. And as God walks us through the changing of things in this text, He lets us know that really the whole of the Bible can be summed up in this, that only God can save us from judgment. Only God saves us from judgment. Everything for these people is at play. We are working in a central direction. And Jesus actually tells us to remember things. In the Old Testament, we see the great works of God that they have been done. And that the great works of God are at the center of the teaching. In the Old Testament, the great work of God for the deliverance of his people is the Exodus. And for us as New Testament believers, the greater work of God is displayed and depicted for us in the cross of Jesus. Everything is changing for these people. So what are we supposed to do as a group of people who are about to look at a, a thousands year old uh, ritual that's been given to us? Well, here's what we should do in light of who Jesus is for us. We should remember, we should reflect, and we should repeat. We should remember, we should reflect, and we should repeat. When you get to this point in the text at verse 10, you have God saying, He's not going to listen and the people need to leave and they need to be prepared to do so. So you get to chapter 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month is to be the beginning of the months for you. It is the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel, that on the tenth day of this month, they must each select an animal of the flock according to their father's families, one animal per family. If the household is too small for a whole animal, that person and the neighbor nearest his house are to select one based on the combined number of people. You should apportion the animal according to what each will eat. You must have an unblemished animal, a year-old male. You may take it from either the sheep or the goats. You are to keep it until the 14th day of this month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel will slaughter the animals at twilight. They must take some of the blood and put it on the top of the doorpost and the lintel of the houses where they eat where they eat them. They are to eat the meat that night, and they should not eat it. Ro- they should eat it roasted over the fire along with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or cooked in boiling water, but only roasted over fire. Its head as well as its legs and its inner organs. You must not leave until all of it. You must not leave any of it until morning. Any part of it left until morning, you must burn. And here's how you must eat it. You must be dressed for travel. Your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you are to eat in a hurry. It is the Lord's Passover. 
You have God who has said at this point, I'm not going to use Moses at this, in this moment. I'm not going to use the staff of Moses. God himself is sending the destroyer among these people to take out the firstborn of the Egyptian kingdom. And if you are a Jewish person, God has offered you deliverance, but that deliverance is connected to what he has provided for you. And in my home, I'm the one who struggles to follow instructions. I ask myself consistently, did I do everything right? Hope's the builder. When we pick something up at Ikea because we need to get some Swedish meatballs as well, I will walk over and I'll notice the things that she's doing and I just try to get out of the way. There was a day where we had picked up some things to be built here at the church for the children's area. And when I walked in the room, there were numerous men who were working and I looked at them and thought to myself, I need to go take a smoke break on the back of the church right now just thinking about assembling this stuff. <laughs> There's a concern in my heart all of the time. Did I get this right? When I stay in a hotel room as I'm trying to leave, I walk through every step that I have taken in the room asking myself, did I get everything that I need to leave? Did I get this right? Are we ready to go? Am I ready to, to leave what was and move toward what is? Imagine that you're the dad of this family, not wondering if, a, if an item will be built correctly or if you've gotten everything out of your house to go back to your home. Four to five, your da the dad begins to prepare the lamb and it, gathers, and it gathers its blood into a basin. He takes the hyssop and uses it as a brush and covers the doorpost of the house with the blood, thinking all the while, did I get all of this right? Am I doing everything according to plan? He lights a fire to barbecue the lamb. He packs up his things. He gets ready to travel. At 7 o'clock, you eat a meal, not while sitting as you should. You eat a meal while you stand. There's no time to sit. Your whole family is fully packed and ready. Unleavened bread. The reason that it has no leaven in it is because there has no, been no time for the bread to rise. At 8 p.m., as you're sitting there eating with your family, bringing them closer and closer, your heart is beating fast. You look at your children and you can see the anguish in their eyes because all around you, you are hearing terribly horrific noises. You are hearing the death taking place all around you and you are wondering, did I get this right? Did I spread the blood correctly? Did I use the hyssop in the way that God would have me to use the hyssop? Has this been done correctly? Your children, as children do when they are in uncomfortable situations get closer and closer and closer tucking in tightening in with you because the closest thing the safety that they have is you did I get this right did I do all of this right your neighbors are weeping they're hurting you know that they are in pain you feel anguish and you hear wails all around you what takes place when the shadow goes over us have I done this correctly When you look at this text, that's the weight of it. And for every dad in the nation of Israel, whether or not he got this right was not so much about what he was doing as it was about the lamb. The lamb is central to the story. And for every believer in this room who wonders consistently and regularly, did I get this right? Would you know that the hope is not found in your right doing, but in the Lamb that you trust? 
It starts with the Lamb. That is the Gospel. It's the Gospel in full. <laughs> the interesting thing about this story is that we've been given these instructions and the weight of the instructions are right there. And then it moves to what God's going to do in verses 12 and 13. I'm going to pass over the land of Egypt that night. I'll strike every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, both people and animals. Right there in the middle of a, of a list of instructions, you have the heart of the story. We are a family of six. We have four children. We also have Gus, who is the children's dog, who loves me for whatever reason. And we are just passing the days of our lives when we have to have a babysitter. And it is a blessing, and we have all raised a hallelujah in our homes because we have a 15-year-old who can keep them alive for the period of time that we may be gone. But you all know the babysitter situation. You have to let someone know. You invite them into your home. You leave a list of instructions. Imagine you're writing out the list of instructions. Will you let the babysitter know, feed them dinner. If you are the parent who does not have your babysitter feed them dinner, I have frustrations with you in my very soul. Let them do the work. Let them deal with the mess. Not only do you tell them to feed the children dinner, you let them know the pizza will arrive around 6. Clean the table with thieves spray like a hippie. Wash the dishes. After you wash the dishes, take the dog out. There, you let them know there are disposable bags on the back porch in the drawer for you to make sure that the dog is cleaned up after. You wash your hands because you never know with these teenagers. Wash the dishes. Put the kids to bed. Read a book. Leave the room. Go check on the baby. Read another book. Go check on the baby. And as, you're re as this young person is reading through the list of instructions that you've given them, they come to this. Frodo gave a cry. And there was fallen upon his knees at the chasm's edge, the golem, dancing like a mad thing, held aloft the ring, a finger still thrust within its circle. Precious, 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 golem cried. My precious, my precious. And with that, even as his eyes were lifted up to gloat on his prize, he stepped too far, toppled, wavering for a moment on the brink, and then with a shrink he fell. Out of the depths came his last well of precious and he was gone. In the middle of instructions, you get the heart of one of the most important stories ever. In the middle of these instructions, we've been given the, most, the heart of the most important story ever. That the people have been directed as to what to do. And they have one hope. That's the blood of the lamb spread over the doorpost. 13, the blood on the houses where you're staying will be distinguishing mark for you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. That's what I need to see. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will, come among, will be among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. There is our hope. When God sees the blood, we are passed over. 
There's a hope when faithful, believing people gather under the blood of the Lamb because sin is real. God says, turn to me and I will save you. This is saving faith. This is the good news of Jesus. This is God's hope for us. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. So we remember all that God has done. And when we remember this, we continue in these instructions and the Jewish people would continue in these instructions because God is not just saying to remember the thing that I did way back when. I want you to keep that in mind as you go. Because before the 10th plague, the, the Jewish people could not leave. But now that God has met rebellion with death, they cannot stay. We keep moving. This is not a lucky rabbit's foot. This is not eating black-eyed peas on New Year's like plebeians. This is different. Because we are saying that we are going to hold faithful to a God who is increasingly faithful to us. We are going to cling to him when he, because he clings to us. We are going to trust in his rescue that the blood of the lamb has been spread over us. You get back to 14. This is the day to be a memorial for you and you must celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. You're to celebrate it throughout your generations as a permanent statute. You must eat unleavened bread for seven days remembering that you are going in a hurry. That you are rushing because this is not where you belong. On the first day, you must remove yeast from your houses. Whoever eats what is leavened from the first day through the seventh day must be cut off from Israel. You're to hold a sacred assembly on the first day and another sacred assembly on the seventh day. No work may be done for those except for preparing what people need to eat. You may do only that. You're to observe the festival of the unleavened bread because on this very day I brought, I brought your military divisions out of the land of Egypt. You must observe this day throughout your, your generations as permanent statute. You are to eat unleavened bread in the first month from the evening of the 14th day of the month until the evening of the 21st day. Yeast must not be found in your houses for seven days because you are a people who are moving. If anyone eats something leavened, that person, whether a resident alien or a native of the land, must be cut off from the community. Do not eat anything leaven. Eat unleavened bread. And over and over, God would remind them how to remember him. 22, take a cluster of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, brush the lintel and the two doorposts with some of the blood in the basin. None of you may go out the door of his house until morning when the Lord passes through to strike Egypt and sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts. He will pass over the door and not let the destroyer enter your house to strike you. Keep this command permanently as a statute for you and your descendants. When you enter the land the Lord gives you as he promised, you are to observe this ceremony. When your children ask, what does this ceremony mean? You are to reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. For he has passed over the house of the Israelites in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and he spared our homes. And the people, they knelt low and they worshipped. Every year, Jewish people, God says, when you celebrate the Passover, you bring your children in close. You remind them of the way that your heart was beating. You remind them of the sadness that surrounded. And you let them know that God alone is your only hope. Don't take God for granted. You get to 29. At midnight, the Lord struck every firstborn male in the land of Egypt. 
From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon to the firstborn of all the livestock. During that night, Pharaoh got up. He along with all of his officials and all the Egyptians. There was a loud wailing throughout Egypt because there wasn't a house without someone dead. He summoned Moses and Aaron to get out from among my people, both you and the Israelites, and worship the Lord as you have said. Take even your flocks and your herds as you ask and leave. Also, bless me, weird question to be asked if I'm being completely transparent with you. Just bless me. You, the one who thought you were God, we're good. Keep going. When we look at this text, we are seeing God deal with sin. He is giving us a foreshadowing of him ultimately dealing with sin through the shed blood of the Lamb. John the Baptist is going to make an announcement in John chapter, chapter 1, verse 29, according to John. He says that when John saw Jesus, he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And much like we see in the, uh, the brevity of what God says to us in the book of Exodus in regard to what it means for him to deal with Pharaoh and his house, over and over in the gospel accounts, it is one verse about Jesus being crucified. On Passover day, the lamb was slaughtered. There were no broken bones for him. In the same way that we see that in this text, that the, that the lamb was without blemish. It was faultless. But we are moving ultimately to a day where we are united with the Lamb eternally. Where we are brought together. Revelation chapter 19, Then I heard something like the voice of a vast multitude, like the sound of cascading waters, and like the rumbling of loud water, of loud thunder, saying, Hallelujah, because our Lord God, the Almighty, He reigns. Let us be glad, rejoice, and give Him glory, because the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his bride has prepared herself. She was given fine linen to wear, bright and pure, for the fine linen represents the righteous acts of the saints. And then he said this to me, Write this down. Blessed are those invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb. He also said to me, These words of God are very, very true. When we look at what we do each week as believers, when we take of the Lord's Supper, we are reminded that we are in the in-between, but that we have been united to Jesus forever. That we've been brought together and we are protected by the blood of the Lamb. That His blood covers us. That our salvation is found in Him alone. So when we take of communion as a family of faith, I encourage you, before you do this, simply because we've given you a wafer and a small, small cup of juice, to ask yourself, are you living in a way that takes the work of God for granted in your life? Are you remembering that the blood of Jesus is what covers you and what carries you through? Are you remembering that before Jesus you could not leave sin and now because of Jesus you don't have to stay? You don't have to stay. So when we take communion in just a moment, I invite you to take of the wafer and to drink of the cup and remember to not take God and all of the good that God has done in our lives for granted. Would you bow your heads with me?
if you're a believer in this space in a moment, Jared's going to guide us to take of the table. And as you take communion, would you realize that you've been united with something that God has been doing over the course of history? God setting in motion the redemption of his people by the shedding of his blood. Would you not think that your salvation is a simple little action like a lucky talisman this is God sealing you as his. Will we not take for granted that all that God has done for us in Jesus? If you're not a believer, I'm going to ask you not to come to the table, not to take of the table, because it's not your table. If you have questions about it, I'd love to chat with you. I'm in the back right-hand corner of the room. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to encourage you from Scripture. If you're not a believer, this is not something... This doesn't matter to you. Father, I pray for my people. Would you work in our hearts so that we would know and trust you? And so that we would realize that before you, Jesus, we could not leave our sin. And because of you, Jesus, we do not have to stay. We ask this in your name, Christ.